Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey, everybody, welcome to another brand new review episode here on the Geek Buddies! <laughs> hey! Hey! Yeah, we're, going, we're coming down to it. We're hitting the fourth episode of the Star Wars The Bad Batch here, cornered. It's, uh, we're going to talk about so many things here on the show, and we get the return of Fennec Shand, or actually the appearance of Fennec Shand in animated form. For the first time with the return of Ming-Na Wen voicing the character of Fennec Shan. we got more with Omega, more with the Bad Batch, so much to get into. But let's introduce ourselves first. I'm the Outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. And joining us yet again every week for these reviews in much to our uh, honor is the great Laura Kelly. Laura, please, how are you? How are things? Um, I'm amazing. I'm excited to talk about this episode. And yeah, living my best vaccinated life. It's been a fun weekend. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm three days away from officially four days away from officially being uh, full on two weeks after the second shot vaccinated. I'm just going to walk around with my clothes off everywhere because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. At least that's what I heard. I've heard that too. Yeah, Yeah, at least that's what what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. You don't have to wear masks or clothes. You just walk freely in the world now after you're vaccinated. That's what I've been told. But anyway, let's get into episode four here. This is a first of two spoiler review warnings. We are going to spoil the episodes. If you haven't seen it, pause it here. Go back and watch and come back and pick it up where we left off. Uh, let's get our overall thoughts right off the bat. Mike, we'll start with you. Feelings about this uh, fourth episode uh, in the series here, uh, Cornered. I thought this episode was nice. Mm. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think it was a you know where where it was a pretty typical run of the mill episode for a Star Wars show that I thought was made better by some awesome 
Star Wars detailing that we'll get into. Um, and so I thought that the episode showed uh, how adept this team is at understanding what makes Star Wars work, while at the same time kind of being a run-of-the-mill episode. I feel like we're, you know, we're a quarter of the way through, and the Bad Batch is sort of hopping from planet to planet, but doesn't really have a bigger drive uh, for, at least for this side of the Bad Batch. Crosshair's definite, Crosshair definitely has more going on, so... Um, Interesting, but I'm definitely ready for things to pick up. Okay. Uh, Laura Kelly, what do you think overall about this one? I enjoyed it. Uh, I think this may have been our shortest episode to date at 25 minutes with credits. So it was it was definitely on the shorter side. But I, I totally agree with Michael. Sort of a run-of-the-mill um, episode, I think, in terms of, like, Clone Wars structure. I am getting a little bit, of, like... I guess sort of impatient the fact that we don't have like the bigger picture whereas like in the mandalorian the big the big driver was to you know find the child a jedi mm. to train him and at the moment we're still not really sure where we're going with omega because we still don't really understand why the kaminoans are so desperate to get her back now when they initially just seemed to let her leave pretty easily yeah. um but i gotta say i i enjoyed the the sort of camaraderie and the chemistry we had between the batch in this episode in particular um they all had sort of their own sort of mission that they had to accomplish which was really fun um interesting that we didn't get any crosshair content in this yeah. episode at all that was sort of strange to me and yes the introduction of some very fun new droids that i am very much hoping that we return back to at some point in this season <laughs> Understood. Uh, Shannon McClung, a lot happened here. She said the droids that she's going to go gaga for a little bit later, but certainly we had Fennec Shan come back. But maybe Laura and Mike are onto something here. This frustration maybe that's starting to simmer amongst some of the fandom that what's the story here? Even the Bad Batch uh, is having questions themselves. Kind of meta moment near the end of the episode. What did you think overall about this one? Are they dragging this out? Do we feel more imperative uh, about the story because we only had 10 episodes or eight episodes of Mandalorian and this one is like 16 or longer. Do you feel that the they're taking advantage of this by dragging out a little bit more? And is this working against their favor? Well, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely uh, echo my colleague, my colleague's feelings that yeah. a, a, a good episode an average episode of The Bad Batch is still better than a good episode of other TV shows. Like, I still enjoy the world of Star Wars. I enjoy these characters. I enjoyed seeing Finnick Shand. That being said, we are waiting for that drive to kick in right now. Like, it seems like The Bad Batch's goal has been to get off the grid. They're, they're trying to get someplace where they can just lay low. And that goal continues to elude them. Um, now, in terms of Omega... Um, yeah, I mean, I know Laura had said last week that she was ready to find out, okay, what is Omega's deal? What is this thing? They've added the wild card of Finnick Shan now in that, okay, the, the Kaminoans were, were presuming, um, have, uh, uh, hired a bounty hunter to, yeah. to get her back. But it's like, yes, we are waiting. We're waiting for that, that, uh, anticipation for the next episode to happen right now. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, oh. It was another adventure. It was um, Omega gets into trouble again this week. Yeah. Um, we really, but but I think right now the fans are definitely clamoring for that bigger story. And anytime I think you have an episode without Crosshair, um, that is lacking. Because yeah. that is, to me, thus far, that is the more interesting side of the show. Mm -hmm. Right, and that you built that to be your big baddie. Yes, we've seen Tarkin. Yes, we've seen that Vice Admiral. But it's really Crosshair that we're already connected to, invested in to find out what's going to happen with him when he confronts the Bad Batch all over again. And adding Fennec Shan to the mix is certainly an interesting uh, uh, X factor 
in this situation as well. I, I like the episode, but I agree with you all. It feels like a little bit of a filler episode. I get that they're trying to flesh out the world a little bit more, seeing, you know, the stormtroopers getting claps and stuff, like you understanding that we're in a trans- transition time. They're really kind of letting you know this is a transition time and landing on different worlds kind of gives you an idea of what's happening here as it's moving along. But yeah, we've got to start getting a little bit more of the, of the, uh, of, I don't know, of the excitement in this show momentum. to get you excited. They have momentum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like in Clone Wars, you knew stuff was building the stuff. This one, it seems like they're just kind of grinding a little bit slowly to get to where they're going. There may be a great payoff. It just feels a little slow right now. Mike- well, to be fair, but to be fair, I mean, I love Clone Wars. And I will say that Clone Wars, the animated series, has made me love this era of Star Wars more than anything in the prequel movies. Yeah. But when you go back to those big, uh, huge, long seasons, there's a lot of filler there too. And I think yeah. that... What we're really seeing now is less that the Bad Batch is not telling a great story. Mm-hmm. It's more that thanks to streaming, we are used to smaller stories. Like as Laura said, Mandalorian's yeah. eight episodes. We're yeah. ha- like we'd be halfway done by now. Even WandaVision is nine, uh, yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier six. So having those sixteen episodes and having them have their story, but trying to pace it out, yeah. uh, we're seeing that uh, our attention spans have been have adapted. Uh, in the world of streaming, I think. Yeah, this may be working against the show. That's a great point you bring up there. All right, let's get into it. Final spoiler warning. If uh, you haven't watched the episode, turn back now. Um, unless you want things getting spoiled. Some people like that, so I'm all for it. All right, let's move on. A crew, the Bad Batch is, is trying to go to Adelpho. Uh, it's an uninhabited planet. It's a good place to hide. But, and, but Omega wants to stay out in the galaxy and explore some more. Instead, they realize they're low on fuel and rations, and their ship is on the wanted list. This is an important fact that will play out throughout this episode. This causes them to head to, head to another planet, Pantora. And for some of you who remember the Clone Wars, Pantora is the home of the young Senator Ryu Chuchi. He's in there, uh, is from there as well. She appeared on the show uh, as a background character a few more times and was there during Ahsoka Tunnel's dismissal from the Jedi Order. I love the animation here, the way the city looks and the way they're landing. It looks almost, and I saw this on a couple of the reviews, I felt the same way. Some of the animation in this, in this particular episode came real close to realism and i was just blown away by some of the animation that we've got to see here they need to scramble the ship's signature key they encounter a sulliston docking official who takes some money to look the other way about the ship i think this is taryn Killam who's doing the voice uh he calls fennec shan that's her first appearance here she is off planet we hear ming na wen's voice we see the hologram of omega we remember this is a younger fennec shan she's a bounty hunter remember her nickname is killer of killers so now she is going to go get uh, Omega. She asked for the coordinates. Make sure they don't leave. Now, Wrecker and stay behind while Echo Hunter and Omega go on a supply run. And then we see what I just mentioned here a few seconds ago. These troopers walking by. It was kind of mind-blowing to see the crowds cheering for these troopers now that we've walked into the Empire area uh, or era and they don't know what they're cheering for. They're cheering for the end of the war, but they don't realize that an even uh, dirtier war is coming. We see the hologram again of Vice Admiral Rampart talking about chain codes and let's stop there. Okay, so Fennec Shan, Laura Kelly, uh, uh, Omega, Laura Kelly, they're going to put us in conflict. Fennec, Fennec Shan essentially versus the Bad Batch for the soul of Omega. What do you think about this whole opening and them landing on this planet? Well, I'm incredibly excited to have Fennec Shand back in Star Wars. I voiced this at the very beginning of the of the series, which is that I wasn't exactly sure how we were going to bring in like female energy and female characters into the show, and we've got a show focusing on five men. 
Um, and I'm really excited that they seem to have done a fairly decent job of that over the course of this season so far. And nothing better than having Fennec Shand in this show. I'm so excited. She is 30 mm-hmm. years younger than she is in The Mandalorian. We're about 30 years before that, which is sort of mind-blowing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing her into the story, I think, is great. I think we haven't seen the last of her. I'm sure she's going to be back at some point. I didn't go back and study the trailer to see, like, did we see this scene? Did we see this scene yet? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm fairly confident that she'll be back at some point. Um, and looking forward to talking about that later. Um, I enjoyed this scene in particular where we're kind of walking around the town. I think yeah. you're totally right that this the animation and the design of this town is very cool looking. I noticed some of the sort of like more realistic like looking animation um, yeah. as well, which was which was kind of fun. I don't know if we've spent a lot of time on Pantora. I don't remember clearly from the Clone Wars if we did. I know we did meet a couple of Pantoran characters, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of human, humanoid and Pantorans um, yeah, that are looking on on this parade and cheering. I think you can spot a Tuka cat in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know a lot of us from watching the trailer suspected that this might be Coruscant because we just associate all city planets with Coruscant. <laughs> um, but I like that we're kind of we're, we're seeing a sort of different vibe, a different uh, a different sort of setting um, compared to, you know, the city that we're used to on uh, on Coruscant. So this was a really fun setting, I think, for this episode. And yes, yeah, seeing Saturday Night Live's Taryn Killam uh sort of peppered throughout this episode in various characters as well as bobby moynihan was a lot of fun too yeah for sure uh yeah mike i mean this we're getting the i mean you're the animation guy mikey like this is some beautiful animation as i said but also you know the bad batch is kind of like figuring out how to survive in this new empire era where they're not connected back to the commitments being hunted down trying to figure out what even there's a comment uh, that uh, a wrecker makes hey we're transitioning into being civilian life you know you're seeing this kind of transition for them uh, as they understand what is happening episode per episode and what their status is yeah uh so uh yeah on the on the bad batch front of it all i think Mm. you're right and i think this is something we continue to see is that these uh soldiers are evolving to be not soldiers and when you have a whole show that is talking about uh, a bunch of clones that were bred for one purpose seeing a bunch of our main characters who were bred for one thing that are learning and figuring out how to do a different thing is actually important. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just fun character stuff. And like I said uh, at the beginning, this is a pretty typical run-of-the-mill episode. We need supplies. We need to get some shit. We need to get uh, our our ship off of the wanted list. Let's land on the planet. Let's do some things. Problems ensue. So it's a pretty typical kind of self-contained episode. But within that, I do think it's important when you see like them, uh, you know, kind of bribing the Celestin and uh, and saying, here's what we're doing. We're figuring out this life. We don't have the Republic helping us out. I think that is all nice character stuff. So mm-hmm. it's all well done. It's it's a well done typical episode right. uh, as far as that goes. As far as the animation, um, it's funny when everybody says it's like realism uh, because what I see when I look at it from an animation standpoint is something mm-hmm. that Pixar always talks about. Uh, that Pixar always says they don't try and make anything look real. Like when they make Finding Nemo, Mm -hmm. that coral reef does not look like a real coral reef. It is way more colorful. It is way more vibrant. But they make something look the way that your brain wants it to look or thinks Mm -hmm. that it looks. uh, And kind of creates something that is hyper real. And the animation in this series, even more so than season seven of Clone Wars, which was just stunning is just beyond amazing mm-hmm. uh, in the in the animation, uh, the character acting, the backgrounds, 
everything. It is a hyper real environment uh, that is using a very stylized animation style that still uh, is making you believe that it looks real, which I think mm. is the most impressive part of it. As far as Pantora goes, I love it. I think the highlight of this episode for me, more than the main plot line, was just the way that the Clone Wars slash Bad Batch creative team knows Star Wars mm. so well in and out that they can create this environment that feels so authentically Star Wars, it's insane. And yeah. what I really like about Pantora, uh, to Laura's point about everyone thinking that it was Coruscant, is we spend a lot of time in the Outer Rim in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. We all love the Outer Rim. It's the it's the wild west out there. Everything is run down. We all love a Maz Eisley cantina. And if you love the prequels, you spend a lot of time in the core worlds like Coruscant, which is very city, very, you know, giant spire buildings, fl flying cars. And mm -hmm. Pantora was this great mid-rim world that is sort of the best of both parts. It has like the open air markets and the vibe almost like Batu if you've been to Disney uh, that feels more outer rim, but it's got the flying cars and the taxi cabs and the police force that makes it feel more of like a core world. And it was this nice blend of both the prequel things that people love in those planets and sort of the original trilogy thing kind of blended into one amazingly animated world, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was neat. And then really quickly, just wanted to add, I really like to your point, John, about mm. the way that they're showing how easy it is for people to be seduced by the empire. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 you know, the war is over. We have these troopers that are now sort of slowly, like it's still the clone trooper uniform design, but no colors on it. Yeah. So it's sort of evolving towards where the stormtrooper is going to be, yeah, although yeah. it's not quite there yet. And everybody's cheering and everyone's excited. And I just love, you know, Omega sort of gives voice to it. Um, when Hunter is kind of like, this is happening really fast. I'm uncomfortable. You have right. the Rampart, uh, Rampart Hollow over here talking about the chain codes. Mm -hmm. And Omega's like, but the war's over. That's good, right? And he's like, yeah, it depends which side you're on. And you're just seeing this sort of uncomfortability with how quickly everybody is like, yay, the Empire is doing all this great stuff for us. Chain codes are great. I want to get those Imperial credits. Everything is wonderful. Right. And you're like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> right. You know, you sense what's coming for sure. Sh uh, Shannon, uh, story beats here. Uh, maybe some foreshadowing down the road. I mean, Wrecker's comment sticks with me. This, this, as you know, we're talking about transitions. Uh, I'm bringing it up a few times here. But also, I sense last week, we're going to be seeing the Bad Batch transition possibly out of being soldiers for a bit. And it seemed like Wrecker making that comment kind of alluded to that. But did you like, uh, talk to me about the story bits, but also talk to me about, uh, do you like that this is the way Fennec Shand was introduced in the animated world? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, when, when Vogel brought up Batu at Disney, I mean, mm -hmm. one of my notes was literally like, oh, this looks like Galaxy's Edge <laughs> when, when, they, when they're in those shops. Um, yeah, I mean, the... the <laughs> As they're coming in, as the Havoc Marauder is coming into land, I mean, you see the money that they're putting into this. I mean, that yeah, is yeah. just a gorgeous shot. And I love how the Bad Batch, within the group, you have these pairings. And we're getting new pairings every week thus far. And all the pairings are interesting. Wrecker and Tech talking with a guy who's trying to get a bribe. You have Wrecker, <laughs> who's a little thick. And you have Tech, who's extremely literal. Right. And Wrecker's just kind of like, you don't really need to scan our ship. He's like, oh, I guess I could look the other way. Like, hey, great. <laughs> and they think, they think like, yeah, high five. We did it. And then you see, like, they both start to realize, oh, that's right. He, he, he wants some credits. And then later we get the Hunter Echo 
uh, pairing, which is quick, but it's still it's a, it's a different it's just a different dynamic, and I think that's what it does so well. As far as the story being like with Finnick Shand, um, it's interesting because you know Ming Na Wen in live action. She looks amazing. She's almost 60. Um, so yeah. when you see Pretty her incredible. in animation that it's 30 years ago, it's like if they're going off of her her real world age, like, okay, so she's almost 30. Like for me, I almost wanted her design to look a little younger oh, okay. um, because I wanted that connection with her and Omega. Like Omega sees someone who's looks older than her, but kind of looks her age almost. Mm. Like this is a person she can relate to, but... Ming-Na Wen just looks incredible for someone who's in their late 50s. Well, I, I would just say that the the bounty life uh, hardens you, man. It ages you. It's, it's not an easy life. So <laughs> she is younger, but it's a tough situation for sure. And Ming-Na Wen, it's always great to hear her voice or see her doing anything. All right. Tra- uh, Tech tries to involve uh, Wrecker in what he's doing. As Shannon pointed out, interesting pair. You've got the real literal guy and the just tell me what to rip out guy. So it's, I like this combination for them. Uh, and then we go to Hunter, who's trying to sell uh, sell some items here to a trader that's voiced by Bobby Moynihan, and he isn't buying anything that Hunter is selling at the price that Hunter wants to sell it for until he looks at Tech. Oh, uh, sorry, looks at Echo and confuses him for being a droid. And to be fair, his outfit does kind of lend itself. It had a little first contact. Borg vibes, don't don't come at me. But it had a little weird kind of design. It was uh, a little bit of that. Of course, I know that Star Trek. So I don't want to get in trouble here. But Hunter and Echo work out a deal to sell him for three thousand credits with the plan that he'll break out when he gets the signal from Hunter. That was an uncomfortable moment for me to be honest with you. Selling a friend or a human it was just a little strange, uh, and especially when people have been speaking so powerfully in the Star Wars fandom for years about the disrespect towards droids even someone who is confused for a droid is getting a little bit disrespected here anyway omega gets distracted by a couple of cute creatures who take her trooper doll and then just take off and she takes off on this busy street running uh, after them trying to get her doll back we see uh vorpox we see gold tiles, we see toga cats omega chases after them and is in full overload mode as she's processing what's happening in this busy square then Fennec Shan shows up and offers to help her find her friends very eerily. A, and Echo is put in charge of the droids in that merchant's back room. And Echo is immediately challenged by CG-67, a C-3PO-type droid voiced by the great Gray Griffin, who some of you may remember as the voice of Padme Amidala and Asajj Ventress, amongst other voices in The Clone Wars. Hunter is tracking down Emma Omega in the square. Omega and Fennec walk together in Fennec teaches her how to steal or to break the rules sometimes they discuss how fennec protects herself with the blaster then hunter shows up and we got ourselves a showdown between fennec and hunter all right mike we've built to the showdown one thing about all this setup here with a little more of the schooling of omega you know kind of figuring out what a busy market square is like she said she wanted to explore we got that but then we lead to this hunter versus uh, fennec shank confrontation right after we have Hunter selling Echo for 3,000 credits. What do you think about all this? Uh, well, I really enjoyed the Echo stuff. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about, I feel like Echo has been serviced a little less than other members of the Bad mm. Batch in the episodes up till now. True. And not that this was any kind of like huge character arc for Echo, but it was a really fun arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his, uh, his sort of... Um, insistence that he's worth more than 2,000 credits. Like, I'll do this. 
but I'm worth more than 2,000 credits. It was just, it was a great, this was like a great fun Star Wars moment where you're sort of just like, ah, how are we going to get out of this situation? Well, we're going to do something that's a little bit shady, but it's kind of funny. And then to follow that up with the introduction of uh, CG, the protocol droid, who I just think protocol droids are funny. I just think <laughs> protocol droids in their prissy, officious, like, this is the way things are supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed the Astromex, but I'm going to save that for Laura. So I'm going to let Laura <laughs> talk, talk Astromex, although I'm, I'm, I'm going to 100% agree with everything that she says. Um, I like that Omega saw, like, the uh, the Vorpax, uh, nice little mm-hmm. Star Wars resistance nod right there. Yeah. And then I really loved the introduction of Fennec. What I really like about Fennec Shan is through what we've seen of her in Mandalorian and now what we're seeing in this episode, you're not quite sure how you feel about her. She's a bounty hunter. Mm. She's got a job, and her job is to get Omega. And so we know that that's not a good thing and we know that we want omega to stay with the bad batch but the way that fennec treats omega the conversation that they have uh you know she just represents that amazing thing that bounty hunters represent in star wars which is that gray area Mm -hmm. we've got our good guys we've got our jedi we've got our heroes we've got the rebellion we've got our bad guys we've got our sith and the empire and then bounty hunters just live in this gray area where depending on the moment and depending on the money and depending on how they're feeling, we don't know how they're going to go. And so Fennec being the one to introduce this gray area to Omega with the stealing of the fruit and saying, hey, sometimes it's okay to break the rules. Mm -hmm. This is an important part of what makes the Star Wars universe the Star Wars universe. And so Omega sort of seeing that for the first time and us getting to the end and going, well, Fennec Shand is clearly a badass. Mm -hmm. Is she going to be more of an ally at, by the end of this? Is she yeah. going to be a problem? Like, I'm not quite sure where she's going to land. And I loved that they, and I loved that Ming Nawen played it that way. I loved all of that. So I thought it was a great way to kind of bring her into this. Yeah. I mean, she kicked some ass here, Laura, for sure. And it was quick. It was quick. I mean, she distracted. I mean, Hunter kind of got, to, uh, uh, you know, tangled up with her and not long enough for Omega to escape. But overall, I think this is a great introduction to Fennec Shen. Did you like this? Talk to me about selling Echo and talk to me about the droids. What were you feeling overall? I mean, I, I would agree with what Mike just said about selling Echo. I had the same thought where he's just like, I am worth more than 2000 <laughs> How dare you? Like, I, it was just, it was such a really funny moment. And it was kind of funny to me because I didn't realize that, like, they weren't purposely trying to pass him off as a droid when he, like, came out right. of the ship dressed up in this disguise. I figured that was, that was the idea. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just kind of a, a very fun play and just a very sort of Star Warsy moment. Um, I love this introduction of this little clone trooper doll. I don't know if we'd seen this before, but mm, it's awfully yeah. cute, very reminiscent of uh, Stormy was Jin Erso's doll in, in Rogue yes. One. Yes. Um, so that was just a fun little a little reference. Um, with these droids that are living behind in the back room of this shop, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I was totally taken with all of them, with Clink in particular. He was just adorable to the point where I didn't even bother learning the names of the other three because I only <laughs> cared about Clink because he's just like, he's just adorable. I mean, the fact that they put arms and legs on like a little, what looks like an R2 droid who, and he just kind of scurries around <laughs> in the cutest way. I don't know. I don't know how they do these things, but if I can't get 
a doll or a figure or a shirt or something with destroyed on it or at least more content with him in this show i we're gonna have some problems um so that, that's my insistence um but yeah this this was a really fun character i again love seeing bobby moynihan i these saturday night live guys are such huge fans of star wars mm, yeah. i just love it for them that they get to voice characters in these show like i'm just excited for them it's just awesome um and yeah the fact that we have Fennec Shand, it, it almost kind of seems to me like they couldn't decide really what direction to go with her. So mm. they just didn't change her very much at all um, in terms of like, well, she's 30 years younger. Is she sort of a more hardcore, more deadly, more ruthless version of what we have in The Mandalorian? Or is she sort of a softer, mm. like a little more easygoing, a little more sympathetic they just they kind of couldn't decide it kind of seems like they just sort of walked that middle ground with yeah. this character which is fine i think i sort of I, I kind of clung a little bit more to the fact that she did come off a little softer and i think she was trying to act like that towards omega so as to not frighten her off but the great thing that i think we still got out of fennec in this episode is that despite the fact that she has a reputation for being ruthless she has a moral compass mm -hmm. and we didn't lose that. I mean, she doesn't let Omega fall right. when she's on top right. of this tower that we'll get to that later, but it's, it's just one of those things where you can still kind of see that part of her, which again, makes me think that we will see more of her. And I sort of question the same thing, John of, is she going to eventually end up as an ally mm. to the batch by the end of this season? I would be curious to see that, which makes me then even more curious to know of, what was that conversation like when she meets up with Boba Fett 30 years later in The Mandalorian and yeah. she wakes up and he has saved her. She now owes him a life debt and is bound to him. What was that conversation like? Yeah. Uh, that's something now I'm even more curious to see now that she's probably going to eventually have this sort of relationship um, with the Bad Batch with these characters. But well, yeah, we'll see. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, and you have to be concerned, right? If Fennec Shand, by the end of this episode, we'll get to that in a little bit, but by the end of this episode, a Fennec Shand cro uh, uh, crosshair duo is a daunting duo to be going up against for sure down the road if that happens. And just one more thing for Laura. Let's just let's take a look. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is. Clink, Clink really is stupidly cute. It's the, it's, mean, the, it's these things. It's the legs and these things, right? I think. It's, and the they, noise they he really, makes as he oh, shuffles. The noise, he's that's just... right. <laughs> well, you know, it was like, they do a really funny thing. They did it, uh, you know, Filoni loves doing it clearly because in Mandalorian season one, uh, at the end when they're on that boat, you have that astromech droid that all of a sudden like has the arms and legs and sort of rows the boat that pops oh, yeah. out. And now you've got Clink yeah. here. And it's really fun. Like astromechs are, you know, some of you know r2d2 is one of the most mm. beloved characters in star wars and astromechs are pretty cute on their own yeah. but like seeing how they can double down on the cuteness in new ways with all the different variations is uh i'm sure coming to a gift shop at disneyland near you soon <laughs> it better but mike i don't appreciate you bringing up that droid i don't want to see a dante's peak moment with clink <laughs> By the end, if I have to see that, I swear to God, I swear to God. That's fair. And speaking of cute, let's, let's go to Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, uh, you, you look at this situation here. Did you enjoy this whole thing? Did you find the humor uh, in the uh, selling of Echo uh, to uh, to that uh, trader there? Did you like it to a merchant rather? Did you like that? And also, what did you feel about Fennec Shan's the action here at this point? Because I'll swing back to you again once we get to the further bits of the action. What did you think of this so far? 
Well, I mean, the 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 uh, trying to pull one over on the shopkeeper, uh, the Bad Batch, they break rules. Yeah. And the, the whole idea that Hunter is completely okay with this. Like, listen, we got to get the credits. He thinks you're a droid. We're just we're just gonna do this. There there was a moment with Echo when he's just like, you know, I am I am worth more than two thousand. I got Gene Hackman vibe from the end of the Birdcage. Like, don't leave me. I don't want to be the only girl with that. <laughs> That is full on the feeling point. that I got from it. And then once Echo is sold and you hear him adopt this sort of uh, 1960s, like lost in space robot vibe, like a, <laughs> right this way, it's just like, and hell, most droids in the Star Wars universe do not talk like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I thought it was really, really funny that, you know, Echo, Echo's a soldier. He was not, he, he wasn't like a black ops guy. He wasn't a clandestine <laughs> operative. Um, the moment where Omega meets Finnick um, was was awesome. I mean, that that was probably my, my favorite moment. And when Hunter comes up, like the thing that Hunter has this enhanced tracking, but right away he senses this is danger. Like, yeah. this is somebody bad. And the fact that Finnick kind of confirms it when she puts her helmet on, this is like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it was, it was a, it, that was a really, that was a really nice sequence. And the clink of it all, uh, I know they have their gonk droid, but I was—I was like, I really wish Clink would go with the Bad Batch, especially with him walking. I'm like, I feel like those legs and arms are new. Yeah, that this is something he's just still kind of learning how to do. Hence the kind of to- toddler walk that he has. It's a fair point oh for God. sure. Uh, but you know, this is an interesting sequence, and we'll move on for just a, in, uh, in just a second. But like, you got you're right. There's something you brought up, Shannon. Just kind of occurred to me as well. Like this idea, like the Bad Batch are stealing from this guy because they're tricking this guy into giving him three thousand credits. But they need it, so they're gonna trick this poor merchant. Who knows? This is a poor merchant is living paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't matter. We gotta get our credits, and they're gonna. And then you juxtapose that with Fennec Shan kind of doing the same thing, tricking this merchant, bumping her, having her drop her things, then pretending to. Help while stealing some things for themselves so this is a new this isn't you gotta exist you gotta live this is the uncomfortable stuff we're going to see going forward and i like that they're showing it i like that they're not making this for lack of a better term a disneyified uh, uh approach to it there's a little more of a harder edge kind of bubbling underneath it which i like so uh all right let's move on hunter as i said hunter distracts fennec long enough for omega to escape uh, and just when uh, he disarms Fennec, she delivers the knockout headbutt blow and runs off with a security detail shows up. Hunter calls in the Bad Batch to help. Omega runs through the marketplace, goes down in some maintenance tunnels. Uh, Echo is monitoring her because ca- he has access to all the cameras. Fennec isn't far behind. Uh, and then uh, Omega slams into Wrecker, who is there to carry her out. And just when he starts to, Fennec Shan shows up, get herself a little showdown, and, just, and she disarms or takes him out quicker then she took out Hunter. Uh, Echo and the droids are working on the ship in the meantime. And Omega steps out onto a tower. And we see a really awesome moment that brought to mind some sequences from uh, the prequel trilogy. Seeing all these speeder bikes going through in traffic. Seeing the levels of as well in terms of the strata. The you know middle, uh, what do you call it, middle class versus lower class. All that seeing it throughout as she's watching this. Fennec blasts her way onto the tower. Tech tells Hunter that Omega is hanging from the tower because the blast kind of knocked her and she's hanging from the tower. Hunter steals a speeder to save her. Fennec saves her before she falls, catches her. They both jump to a cargo speeder ship. Fennec has a great line, which is, just remember to drop and roll when you hit this thing. Omega works the control of the ship and manages to shake Fennec, off, uh, Fennec Shand off of the ship uh, by herself. 
So again, we've talked about this idea that she's an amalgam, possibly of all the droids. Look how quickly she's thinking to get out of a situation when she senses danger. Uh, Fennec falls onto a speeder and promptly kills a guy and takes his speeder, then rams Hunter out of the way and kills a police person. Then Hunter recalibrates, saves Omega, and they blow up Fennec's ship. All right, Shannon, let's go to you first. What did you think? I mean, this whole episode seemed to be kind of slowly building to something, and then we had an awesome action sequence here. What did you think of this? I mean, full-on Attack of the Clones vibe. I mean, this mm. this was very similar to the to the Anakin Obi Wan chase. Yes. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that Finnick took out Hunter like, or not Hunter, excuse me, uh, Wrecker like that. I mean, again, you get you get to see what the Bad Batch does well, and Wrecker is not a tactical fighter. I mean, he is a blunt instrument. Mm -hmm. And when he's up against someone who understands that they don't have the size, they may not have the strength, you get more kind of Aikido vibes from Finnick that she's able to use that considerable weight against Wrecker. Mm -hmm. When you get to the chase before uh, Omega drops, I mean, it was interesting how, how Laura was saying that Finnick kind of has a softer side. I see that, but I see her as more of a business. She's a business person. Like mm -hmm. if this if this property is damaged, she doesn't get she doesn't get paid. Yeah. And I think like with any profession, if you're in it for decades, your your patience goes down. And so when we meet her in Mandalorian, yes, I think she definitely has the the reputation for being ruthless, but at the same time, it's she she doesn't have time to deal with any BS. She's like right. she's going to do this as quickly as possible. Um, the actual, like when you see Finnick <laughs> essentially kill three people. Yes. Um, <laughs> she kills three people. <laughs> I mean, the one, the one that was the most sort of jarring was when she takes her blaster and shoots that cop in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, like, you know, obviously there was a lot, there was a, a decent amount of death in the clone wars. Um, but it's, it's different when you kill something with a face. Like when you see that reaction, that <laughs> ah, that, that moment of the, the blaster shot impact and the poor cop then runs into his partner and they both blow up. So you're establishing um, the stakes right away that she is willing to do whatever she needs to do to complete the job. She's the killer of killers. That's what they call it. Uh, we didn't see, I mean, the guy she throws out, Mike, we didn't see what happened to him either. So he could be dead. We don't know what's going on. Clearly, she's got an agenda. She's got a mission to accomplish. And she's whoever gets in her way is going to get the uh, full brunt of Fennec Shan. It think is fun. It's great. I mean, uh, I do think it's a funny thing. Uh, like, I've I've accepted the fact that people going to die. Like, after last week... <laughs> Like, what Fennec Shan did this week, I wasn't like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, this is the world. I yeah. do think it's really interesting. What it does show is we are so used to our animation in television be and really features as well that it is a family audience. It is a kid audience. Mm. And streaming has drastically changed that. Uh, you know, we're, I worked on uh, season three of Young Justice, which was on the DC uh, the DC streaming app and is now on HBO Max. And the difference between the first two seasons of Young Justice that were on Cartoon Network and the third season and the upcoming mm. fourth season is like, it's violent. People yeah. can die. Uh, because on streaming, you're allowed to do it. And we're seeing this, even though Disney is Disney, on Bad Batch, uh, it was the same in season seven of Clone Wars and some of the stuff we saw. You were like, oh yeah, shit's going, shit's going down in a mm -hmm. very in a more intense way than even previous episodes of Clone Wars had been. So I think it's great that we live in this world because you just never quite know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, as far as the chase itself, I think Shannon's right. It was like, to me, it was the Attack of the Clones chase, but better. 
and more fun, <laughs> uh, more dynamic. Uh, props to the random, like, Aqualish taxi cab driver who's listening to EDM <laughs> in his car. Like, it's such a random cutaway shot, but, like, it's it's a beautifully animated, beautifully designed character who's just rocking out to his EDM music yeah. in the middle of a fight, and it was just a great cutaway. Um, and then the other thing, in addition to just the great choreography of this fight, the what, what I really did enjoy about this episode uh, that they did in a very satisfying way is every single one of the Bad Batch had their role to play. Yeah. Everybody came together and it was very in character. Wrecker, Omega was in danger, kid's gone, she's being chased. Wrecker took off. Yep. Wrecker's like, I gotta protect, I gotta protect my friend. He's, you know, he he's very emotional. It was great. Tech went right into that ship and like tapped into the uh the videos, the video cameras across the city, tracking everything, telling everybody where to go. Hunter is hot on the tail. And then, you know, Tech is like, we're not going to get off this pl- this planet if we don't have an entire crew. And Echo's like, I happen to have a crew <laughs> right here. Yeah. In the most satisfying moment when they all just march out of that vendor's <laughs> office. Uh, and it's just like, it's a great moment where all the little bits and pieces from the episode, like the fun throwaway stuff with Echo, Tech doing this, like it all comes together and everyone is playing a role while this big chase is happening yeah. in a very, very satisfying way. Yeah, it's not easy to be able to give all these characters something essential to do in a sequence like this. They really did do a good job of that. I agree with you, Michael. Laura, what'd you think about all of this? Uh, and uh, the and, and are they challenging us a little bit with Fennec Shan? As you mentioned earlier, like she does uh, uh, save Omega, but is she saving Omega out of an altruistic place or saving Omega because that's her bounty and doesn't want anything to happen to her? Um, and also by the same token, she's off shooting people left and right here, killing them with dead shots. So what did you think about this whole action sequence and her behavior throughout? Well, when I, it occurred to me after I talked about uh, Fennec Shan that she's looking for Omega and probably was ordered to keep her alive. Mm, um, obviously, the Kaminoans need, need her for something um, just because of Jango Fett's DNA deteriorating or his uh, genetic material deteriorating. So I think, you know, they're going after Omega for something that they probably need her alive for. So yeah, I, I imagine there's a, there's a method to the madness, but um, yeah, I, I echo a lot of what uh, Shannon and Michael said down to the Aqualush driver of this, <laughs> this truck, like vibing to the electronic music and missing all of the action that's taking place behind him. Um, there was another thing that occurred to me, which is that there's a little bit of, I sort of sent some similarities between Fennec Shand um, and, and Omega. They're both, very resourceful mm. we've got omega who has no experience in the real world virtually none has been to now officially i think three planets that aren't camino mm-hmm. um it, and the fact that she spots the lever and she can you know have the the truck that she's on lifts and knocks knocks fennec shand off the, yeah. little things like that we see that omega is very observant she notices fennec's blaster as they're walking through the marketplace earlier in the episode and asks her about it She's she's very curious, but she's very observant mm-hmm. as well, which I think is going to lend itself to maybe some of the skills that we eventually learn about her, which we're still, yes, she's a, she's still a big question mark of exactly what is she. But I think, it, yeah, it is a sort of safe to say that she's an, an amalgamation yeah. um, of all of the, the Bad Batch, with the exception of maybe Wrecker. Um, that, that sort of brute strength isn't something we've seen yet, but maybe we'll see it eventually. I know. Who knows? I'm looking forward to it. I want to see yeah. that. 
I want to see but, her rip off the sleeve and she's got a tattoo. I would love that. Hey, we're good. But Wrecker, but Wrecker does, but Wrecker does actually out of all of them have a sweetness and innocence yes. that yes, Omega has true. that the others 100%. don't. Like I think that yeah. there's that comparison between the two of them. The yeah. heart, yes, Absolutely. agreed. Anything more on that, Laura? Or we no, on? no. Okay. Um, I we don't know that it's her that it's the uh, Kevin Owens who sent her, right? We don't really no. have that confirmed. So. <laughs> It's, it, we're assuming that might be a possibility, but it could be somebody else. It could be Tarkin. It could be anybody who wants to get their hands on that droid. We don't know. I'm they, not sure that's her, the clone. We don't they, know just yet. She has, Fennec had a hollow of her. Yeah. And so reason dictates that, you know, there aren't a ton of pictures of Omega out there. Mm -hmm. So reason dictate it's probably from Camino. It gotcha. very well could be Tarkin um, or it could mm -hmm. be from the previous two planets. Um, huh? but, but reason dictates it's it's Camino. Well, because yeah, they I let mean, her leave on the ship. So why would they all of a sudden want to get her back? Is well, that because of Tarkin changing? Well, Lama Su let her leave. La Lama Su, right. Fair no, right. Nala, not, no, oh, Nala, Nala Say. Nala Say. Nala say. Yeah. Nala say let her leave yeah clearly on on of her own volition and it's yes. very we're, i mean that's part of the mystery i don't think it would be tarkin i don't know that the empire is aware of omega i mean tarkin mm. was standing right with omega uh and didn't really pay her any mind one way or the other so i don't right. know that the empire would be but it could be a third party that we don't know of, but I mean, yeah, safe, safe money is uh, coming Owens. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sure we'll find out as we go along. Our guests, let's get to the uh, last sequence here. Oh, where was I? Oh, no, I lost it all. Here we go. Okay. Okay. So, uh, all right. So then uh, let's see. Fennec tells Blaster. Well, yeah, I got all that. Fennec falls onto the speeder. Got that. All right. Uh, the draw. Okay. Fennec falls into speeder and promptly kills again. Hunter recalibrates, saves Omega. There we go. Hunter recalibrates, get back, gets back into the race saves omega and then blows up a uh, fennec ship fennec lands safely of course because she's uh she's good like that the droids phoenix finish up fixing the ship hunter shows up with omega the rest of the bad batch show up as well jump into the ship and they escape uh much to that uh that uh, uh, uh person who runs the docks there chagrin the bad batch realizes now that omega is a valuable target this is a critical a mini moment here where they realize that she is a target that people are trying to get back now uh, and that Fennec was a bounty hunter hired to capture her and they need to find out who Omega is and why people want her. So now the Bad Batch is in on the mystery with us as an audience to find out who Omega actually is. Uh, Fennec pays off the dock official after the dock official thinks he's going to get killed, but she's not giving up on capturing her and it ends on a close-up with her determined to go get her bounty. Uh, Michael, I'll swing back uh, to you on this one. Uh, what did you think about this way to end the episode, but also this little conversation here about the, the Bad Batch realizing that Omega is more than just a part of them. She's also a valuable commodity people are trying to come get. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like I said, we're, you know, we're a quarter of the way through now, we're four episodes in, and the Bad Batch now, in addition to just kind of being on the run and wanting to lay low, now knows that the people are after Omega. So yeah. I think that will start to give us that momentum that we're mm -hmm. all kind of feeling like we want, which is now it's like, well, hold on. Who who was Fennec Shand? What's going on? Why are bounty hunters after? Like, there's more of a goal of like, let's find this out. And I think that will sort of start to unravel mm -hmm. all of the cloneness of it all and the inhibitor chips and what's really happening. So I'm excited for that to sort of continue to pay off. And then uh, what I really liked about this last scene uh, with the Celestin and uh, Fennec Shand was mm 
uh, kind of what everybody's been talking about, what Shannon and Laura were talking about, about Fennec Shannon. Is she, uh, is she ruthless? Is she just a professional? Mm. Is she sweet? Is she this? I think what we see in this final scene is if that, if she had been any one of a number of bounty hunters uh, that we have seen in, uh, in Star Wars, in Clone Wars, um, that that dude probably would have been shot. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that she comes in and not only doesn't kill him, but gives him more money and says, hey, keep me posted on this. You see that she really is a businesswoman. Like she's yep. not a ruthless person. She's not a vindictive person. She's not someone with a chip on her shoulder. Like she is very cut and dry. Like this is the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that about her. And I do think what will be interesting is as we find out what whether it's the coming Owens or whoever it is that wants Omega that hired Fennec, uh, I think the more that Fennec learns, we may also see that what motivates her goes beyond just money. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like with her and Boba in Mandalorian in season two, where uh, at a certain point, protecting Grogu was more, less about the money and more about like, I'm honor bound to do this thing. And then once I do this, I'm out. Uh, I think we're going to maybe see a little bit more of that here as well. So mm-hmm. I'm interested yep. to see where it goes. I hope it gets there sooner than later. Right. Uh, Laura, it seems like the Bad Batch have now made a little bit of an enemy with Fennec Shand at this point because they've got Omega, but also her interactions with them here. Uh, obviously, this means we're probably going to see her again uh, throughout the series. So what did you think about this whole ending sequence and that mini moment on the ship as well? Well, I think part of it indicates that we might be coming back to Pantora at some point. Mm, um, right. Cause I sort of question like, what is the point of keeping this character alive and not killing him, but giving him money I thought was an unusual move. I think Mike mm-hmm. makes a good point that, that it's definitely a business move for Fennec and that who knows, maybe he can help her in the future on a different bounty. She's mm. just making friends throughout the galaxy where, you know, it, it's hard to say, but the Kaminoans can track Omega uh, mm-hmm. from what I understand. I mean, I thought that's what we saw Nala say doing when the ship took off Yeah, was that they had some sort of trek where they, they can tell where she is. So why do we then need this, this Celestian character to tell Fennec, like, why wouldn't the Kaminoans just hire Fennec? I don't know. So th- there's something that's not quite clear to me there um, th- that I'm kind of hoping gets resolved at some point. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely say we're going to see more of Fennec Shand. I wouldn't be surprised if we come back to Pantora. I wouldn't be surprised if we encounter more bounty hunters mm. um, along the path for the rest of this season. Sure. Um, maybe some familiar faces, maybe even Boba Fett. I mean, that could be sort yeah. of a fun tie-in, I think, for yeah. this show. Um and maybe like Boba Fett and, and Fennec Shan know each other from a you know a past life, and that we could be seeing that past life play out in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it does add a little bit of like motivation. We're not it adds a little bit of like the path ahead. We weren't quite sure where they were going. We weren't quite sure what the big picture is, and we're sort of slowly finding our way there. Yeah. We made someone made a good point at the very beginning. I think it was Michael of this of this episode where we were talking about how the Clone Wars had a lot of filler episodes. There are entire episodes where the plot just stops dead so that we can have an entire story about droids and not even cute droids like Clank, just droids. And so that <laughs> it's kind of nice that we're we're at least we're not doing that anymore. We're keeping yeah. the story going. Um and then one other point I find it necessary to make, we've got the gonk droid. He seems really helpful. 
um, of, to the Bad Batch. I don't know why we couldn't have just taken Clink with us. He would have been a good helper. The gong droid seems like he might be a little antiquated. He's a little slow. He's a very good boy. Oh but Clink you. could have just been a really good... I think they would have been best wow. friends. I think Wrecker would have taken good care. I'm just making... I'm laying wow. out the argument to bring him back. I, Please, I, God. Just... That's I, all. I'm just saying. The, the opinions of Laura Kelly, the opinions of Laura <laughs> Kelly alone on this show, we do not promote ageism, which is what she just did. <laughs> oh, my God. Get rid of the old droid, bring in the new young one. That's cute. I'm uh, saying they would compliment <laughs> each other. Just saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. Shannon, what do you think of this? And do you think we're setting up here possible battles within the Bad Batch over Omega? For example, as you just mentioned at the beginning of the show here, you mentioned how tech is very literal Tech may want to look inside Omega's head, may want to like take her apart in some way to look into inhibitor chip, whatever's been working on that scanner, right? He may want to investigate more about why she is being pursued by these people, what's going to make her special. Maybe that causes some division with Hunter, with Wrecker, with Echo, what have you. There's got to be a little bit of mini conflict here uh, amongst the Bad Batch. Now that you've kind of removed Crosshair and made him the villain, there still needs to be a little bit of conflict, I feel, story-wise within these four. Do you think that's a possibility now that they know that she is essentially precious cargo? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, tech building that scanner to figure out the deal with the, their inhibitor, uh, their inhibitor chips, um, I think absolutely that scanner is going to be on Omega at some point. Yeah. And and for tech, it is completely scientific. Right, Like. It's- just yeah. get the answer. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I, it'll be interesting to see if there is conflict within the Bad Batch because you don't really know what the source of the conflict is going to be. Like we've not seen because tech is so logical. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it makes sense, it seems like he's going to be OK with doing it. Wrecker is at his heart a big softy. I mean, it seems like it'll probably come from Echo. I mean, Echo even stated that in episode two, I think, like, what are we going to do? with this kid like this is this is this is a bad this is a bad call i mean this is like saving private ryan with vin diesel wanting to wanting to bring this child along like this is endangering our mission and now that they know that their initial objective to go and lay low is not possible because they do have precious cargo that other interested parties are are wanting to get like before they thought we're on the run, but if we lay low long enough, there's enough going on in the galaxy. They are going to forget us. Yeah, it's not the same when you have when you took someone else's toy. Yeah. Essentially, like yeah. they are going to want to get that back. Yeah. So that's a really that's a really interesting theory, John. I hadn't thought about tech wanting uh, about uh, Omega possibly having some sort of inhibitor chip. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I just feel like that you've got to create within that that five uh, crew five person crew. You've got to create a little conflict. That's what drives any story. And so how are you going to find the conflict? Trying to find out her background, trying to find out what she's made of. And I could just see Record getting super pissed at Tech trying to probe her. Hunter being overprotective as a dad. Uh, Echo being the one who's kind of calming everybody down. And remember, Echo is the one that has been hooked up to a machine and prodded and poked and had his arm cut. So there's there's things that could come back as PTSD here that could come up here uh, overall throughout. So just throwing it out there that this possible may not happen, but I just it occurred to me as we're talking about it, it could be a way to have organic natural conflict that makes sense. Mike? No, I, th- I think maybe I don't know that there's anything in Tech's character that would maybe lead us to say, let's take Omega apart and see what's under the hood. But I do think mm-hmm. that just the idea of, to Shannon's point, our plan was to lay low. 
the people are after her. Is she really a part of the team? Like, are we like, right. it, and, and I, I don't even know that they'll go here, but would tech or would echo be like, maybe we should give Omega up. I don't yeah. know that they will. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the conflict will kind of more, uh, be in the, we all agree that Omega is part of the team and we need to protect her. The how of it might be a conflict, but we'll see. I do think you are right that we do want to see them all disagree on what to do and how to handle things. I think another big disagreement, uh, in addition to the Omega of it all is clearly in last week's episode in the conversation that Hunter and Omega had Hunter feels bad that they left crosshair behind. Yeah. Hunter wants to go back. And I think once Hunter, once they get more information about the inhibitor chip and do break it down to the fact that there's a argument to be made that crosshair is not doing this of his own volition. And if we could get his inhibitor chip out, he could be our guy again. I think that's going to create a lot more conflict. Like, do we go back into the lion's den and save the guy that was trying to kill us? Mm-hmm. And I think in that respect, Tech and Echo would be like, fuck no. And Wrecker and Hunter would be like, it's our boy. So I do think there is more conflict to come. It'll be interesting to see what direction it comes from. Yeah. Any final words, Lore, before we wrap? It occurs to me that we haven't seen a ton of Echo, no, a, a ton of Tech and Omega interaction. Mm-hmm. We've seen Wrecker, Hunter... Uh, and Echo all sort of, you know, express a sort of, like, attachment to her or, like, at least some, like, kindness towards her. Um, and we just haven't seen that very much from from Tech yet. And I, I know that's kind of not who he is as a character. Right. Um, but I imagine that that has to be coming at some point and maybe it's going to be part of this, like, investigating whether or not she's got a chip and how to remove it and right. uh, what that inevitable storyline that's coming down the line. But that's something I would like to see at some mm-hmm. point, just for him to show a little bit of, like, I don't know, not necessarily affection, but just some sort of, like, expressed acceptance of mm. her being part of the team that's fair and maybe while they're while he's using the scanner they find something else other than the inhibitor chip inside her that could lead to even more mysteries or 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 um i don't know conflict down the road so yeah uh and tech feels to me like he's a little more in cousin with crosshair than he is with the rest of the bad batch just a little bit just a little bit not fully just a little bit not saying he's a bad guy just saying he's so down by the book that uh, emotional stuff doesn't uh, deter him from getting to an answer could lead to something down the road for sure. Uh, all right. That's our overall thoughts on episode four of the bad batch cornered. Uh, so thank you all so much for watching this episode. We appreciate it madly. Uh, um, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell him? Yeah. Look to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says Mikey. Uh, if you are enjoying this as much as that Aqualish cab driver enjoys EDM, here are some things that you can do to help us out and to keep on keeping on with the Geek Buddies. Uh, you can smash that like button below, uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page, check out all the other awesome content. If you are listening to uh, us on podcast on uh, Apple Podcast or Anchor or Spotify or anywhere where podcasts are available, leave us some uh, leave us some comments there, leave us some stars, helps us go up in the rankings. And of course, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, uh, post it on your Facebook page, text it to your friends, say, hey, check this out. These guys have some things to say about clones and droids with arms and legs. <laughs> that, that cab driver moment. <laughs> it reminded me, I just finished I just finished watching Ant-Man over the weekend for a watch-along on stereo, and it's that Garrett Morris moment where he lands on top of the car and he's like, 
what the hell? It just felt like it. It, was totally, like it had nothing to do with the overall thing, but it was a great little moment. So, But Laura Kelly, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Please, it's always a blast to have you on. Please promote whatever it is and let people know where they can follow you. Sure. Come follow me on Twitter right down here. It's at shutup underscore Laura. I am actively watching a lot of Star Wars material right now because I'm going to be playing uh, the current Star Wars champion, Andrew Demolanta, at uh, the Schmodown's upcoming collision on July 10th. So stay tuned for that. I'll be tweeting a lot about Star Wars, a lot of silly things that I'm surfing uh, while watching the movies. So come find me there. My show is at Force Toast Pod. You can follow the show Force Toast to Star Wars Happy Hour and find us at all of the wonderful places you find podcasts where my friend Alice and I drink wine and talk about Star Wars. It's a very fun show, so please check it out. <laughs> That's right. And Laura and I will be back with Jedi Way very soon. Thank you all so much for being patient as I suffer through the Moderna vaccine. I'm back fully healthy and ready to go. So we'll be back <laughs> with our episode of Jedi Way coming soon. All right, that's it from us. Take care of yourselves. Be well. We love you. Uh, keep practicing all the things you're supposed to practice to keep yourself health and, uh, healthy and safe. And come back and see us for another full-on episode of the Geek Buddies with another spoiler review of the Bad Batch here on the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.